This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. We have a newly crowned champ in Major League Baseball. You're listening to Big Time Baseball. Welcome in. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner John Heyman. On the docket today, we're going to talk about this Braves World Series win, what it means. Did you get a chance to see the parade? Some some craziness going on there. We'll always get into Heyman's inside corner. Uh, quite a deep free agency class this year we're going to touch on. And we most certainly will talk about uh, the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, his last year on the ballot. Will he get enough votes to get in? I'll get uh, a, a, we'll get a, we'll get a behind-the-curtain look with John Heyman, who has a vote in this. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to him about it first. But first, let me let me welcome in John. John, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? I am doing well. Baseball season has come to an end. I don't know that we expect it to, to be crowning the Braves as champ, but the way they played down the stretch, it, it really isn't that much of a surprise. No, I mean, they were great in the second half. No, I didn't expect it. Uh, maybe no. somebody did. I, I guess in our last podcast, we did talk about the fact we felt they had the advantage, not just because they were up three to two, but they had the pitching set up, and that yeah. turned out to be right. So at least let's pat ourselves on the back about that. <laughs> Otherwise, I was completely wrong. I had Dodgers over Astros. Uh, didn't happen. I, I guess I was right that the Astros lost the World Series, but I had the wrong team, so I don't think that counts. Uh, give the Braves credit. Fantastic job. Great job by Alex Anthopoulos. Great job by Brian Snicker. Uh, unbelievable that they got four outfielders who all contributed. I mean, obviously, yeah. when they lost Acuna, when they were 46 and 46, nobody nobody foresaw the World Series for them. I think we weren't alone there. But, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, we both did have them as the division champions. Like, that yeah. probably isn't so hard looking back on it. But we thought they'd have Acuna and Soroka at some point, And we certainly didn't know what was going to happen with Ozuna. And that's his own fault. But... I mean, give them credit for rallying. It was a great story. It wasn't a great World Series, but it was a great story, and I applaud the Braves. I'll tell you what, that is the definition of a midseason jackpot if you're a GM and you're running baseball operations. The the moves that Alex Anthopoulos made uh, and ends up hitting on all of them. That is That just doesn't happen very often. You may hit on one or two, but when you make that many moves – Generally, all of them don't come through like the way the Braves did. And, and 
it's in that staff in general, you know, from, from, from Stickner to Washington to young, I mean, they, their whole entire coaching staff did uh, a phenomenal job uh, as well as the players. That's why they're champs. Uh, the parade, however, was, was a little interesting. I mean, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a parade go that fast. I mean, the bus had to be going somewhere around 40 miles per hour. Not only that, uh, uh, Jock Peterson was giving out pearls to everybody. And then Tyler Matzik almost gets arrested. Uh, it seemed like uh, there was some confusion there. Nevertheless, uh, the city of Atlanta got their uh, parade, though, John. Yeah, I mean, they looked like they had fun, and thankfully nobody got hurt. I couldn't believe that video of that bus rolling through. It. I don't know what was oh – it, it should have been stopped and given a speeding ticket. Uh, right. You know, I, I liked uh, Peterson. That was a, a nice story with the pearls. I, I don't think they were real pearls he was throwing I, out there. I, I highly doubt I they guess, were real. But uh, I think <laughs> yeah. it was a nice touch. Uh, he's a funny guy. Maybe that adds to his marketability as he's a free agent. I mean, you talk about the four guys that they got. I'm not sure which of the four actually was the most key. Right. I mean, Peterson to get them through that first round, Rosario through the next round, Solaire in the next round, and then Duval's the guy who can play center field and pulled it all together. So, I mean, you could make a case for all four guys. I mean, you know, Peterson really carried them past Milwaukee. I mean, he wasn't even starting for three out of four games and was clearly, if they had MVP of the division series, he was it. And then, of course, Rosario, unbelievable in the LCS. And then Solaire with the home runs in the World Series. And, uh, you know, it's going to play well for them in free agency. Solaire and Rosario and Peterson, all free agents. I, I think they'll probably bring one of them back, but I, I can't see them having room for more than one. They want to, I mean, obviously, uh, Acuna will be back. Uh, maybe not right at the very beginning, but he'll be back. Ozuna, we'll see what happens there. But uh, Pache they've got, and Duval's coming back. So, I mean, there's certainly room for one of them at least, uh, but I'm not sure. I certainly not all three of them are coming back. Listen, Jock's impact on that team, I think, went well beyond just the yep. playing field. I think right. he that team was good. They were talented all year, but it seemed like once he got there – they had like a, a different attitude to them. It was it was a little more um, in your face than it seemed like the Braves had kind of gone about their business in the past. And I thought it gave them a little bit of an edge. And, and it, certainly, it certainly uh, showed once playoff time came. So they got some decisions to make. I mean, at this point, you, you got to believe in, in Alex Anthopoulos and the moves oh, he's going to make. Uh, but he, he definitely got some tough ones to make. Uh, as we move, as we uh, get into free agency, and, and by the way, none of those moves will take place for quite some time. There's going to be a, a, there's probably going to be somewhat of a, a lockout at some point once the the collective bargaining agreement doesn't comes to an yeah. end. And, and, and so my guess, and tell me if I'm wrong uh, on this, John, is there's not going to be any movement until that is eventually settled. Yeah, I, I I'm not foreseeing much, and uh, I don't see much hope for anything being settled at the beginning of December when the CBA expires. I mean, I, I hope we're not depressing people here, but you know, <laughs> hopefully it'll take them a couple months and they'll work it out and have a full spring training, but uh, it's going to be a weird off season. Doesn't feel like they're on the same page at this point And it uh, doesn't feel like we're going to have a deal um, anytime soon, but we do have free agency right now. We got, wow, what a great list of free agents and they will get signed at some point. Whether some of them can rush to get signed. I mean, I've seen a couple guys, big players get signed at Thanksgiving. 
Uh, Bernie Williams re-signed Thanksgiving. Tory Hunter went to the Angels at Thanksgiving. So it's theoretically possible, and maybe someone's going to rush if they really love a player, or maybe a player is nervous. They want to get it done. They don't want to wait this out. But uh, the bulk of the work is going to be done after what we expect to be a lockout, unfortunately. Yeah. And just to get back to Alex, I mean, the guy is just a determined guy. When he sets his mind to something, uh, he's absolutely going to go for it. I mean, look at Duval. They t- he tried to get Duval back. They, he knew Duval. He had been with the Braves last year. He tried. The Marlins didn't want to give him up to the hated Braves. They had all sorts of problems with the bean balls thrown to Acuna and uh, – you know, they, they really weren't friendly, and they, they said no, but he did not give up. He kept he stuck with it, he stuck with it, and he, he got Duval, his man. And then Peterson, he knew him when he was an executive with the Dodgers, and I, I think he, I mean, he certainly knew the guy was a colorful personality and maybe felt the team needed a little bit of an edge, and you're absolutely right, that's what he gave him. You know, a couple things about Alex in particular that I, I appreciate just from an outside looking in perspective, he, he he had he had a he put together a good team in Toronto, a good roster in Toronto. Um, he ends up going to be an executive under the Dodgers after that. And I remember when he came on our show and he talked about how much he learned um, at those different spots, whether it was Toronto first and and, and kind of the the things he learned when he was running the show on, in that organization to what he learned. Uh, uh, under under the Dodgers uh, regime, and now it seems like he's kind of taken the best of both worlds and put it together in Atlanta. And you got to admire a guy yeah. who, who continues to try to work on himself and get better because clearly uh, that's what he's done. It's so so much so that he's right. got himself a, a World Series title. So I think <laughs> there's a lot of, of 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 you know thumbs up need to go his way. Oh, and he's an interesting story, too. I mean, he, he came out of the ticket office. Omar Minaya hired him for the Expo's front office. He had been selling tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, nowadays, most of the GMs come out of the Ivy League and work their way up through the MLB office and do it that way. But, I mean, he was selling tickets. Uh, he's a Canadian. He's Canadian. And Omar, I know, I think Omar has a good judgment when it comes to hiring executives. Yeah. He hired David Stearns for the Mets. He hired uh, the Min- uh, Perry Manasian, he's now the Angels uh, GM. Stern's now the uh, Brewers uh, baseball president. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's an interesting story for Anthopolis. And uh, give him credit uh, for getting to where he got. And he's won now between Toronto Dodgers and Atlanta seven division titles in a row. I mean, that's not going to rival the Braves with the three Hall of Fame pitchers, <laughs> right, but it's right. pretty darn good. And uh, you know, I know he's got the, some big market teams shooting at him, including the Mets and the Phillies. Uh, but uh, it's pretty good the Braves have won four in a row now. Yeah, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves and their organization. Let me ask you this, because this is the second. This is two. This is now second time in three years where uh, a team has gotten hot and made a run. The team before this one was the Nationals, who had a abysmal record just before the first half and pretty much did the same thing the Braves did uh down the stretch and they win a world series do you think this is this way is more exciting than maybe when the two best teams that from start to finish um get to a a world series and play one another yeah i think so america loves an underdog and uh of course it's it's actually the last two full seasons uh yeah yeah, partial season you know there wasn't time for that you know you you couldn't get off to a 
uh, Nationals, what was it, 19 and 31 start or something like that. If you did that, you were done, uh, right? So the last two full seasons when they played a full slate of games, we've had teams get off to, in the Braves' case, a mediocre start. They were basically five hundred, right at 500 or next to 500 forever. I think they had set a record at one point for alternating wins and losses. I think they did 15 or 16 games in a row where they alternated win and loss. And they looked uh, very mediocre, uh, but the Nats, they were, they were actually just bad through one-third of the season, and they revamped, uh, improved their bullpen, and uh, figured it out. Uh, the Braves did it with uh, uh, all these uh, offensive uh, acquisitions, all the outfielders, and uh, I, I like it. I like to see a comeback team. I mean, the Nats, I think we thought was a good team at that point, and uh, and same with the Braves, but the Braves had so many injuries. I mean, we, we, I, I thought they were dead. I don't know about you, but I thought they were done. When they were 500, more than halfway through the year, and here their best player, I mean, arguably, I guess someone could say Freeman's their best player, but Acuna goes down. He was probably uh, the leading candidate for MVP at that point. I, I didn't think they had any chance. I, I, I'll say this. Often we get caught in the moment. Um I think it's important to, to point out that in both of these situations where we're talking about the Braves or the Nationals, the whole reason why they stunk early is because they had injuries and they were beat up. Then they got healthy and then they did what exactly most people thought they could do early on. I think we lose track of that sometimes. Um, and then I'll say this, you can't, it, it'd be, it's, it would be hard to just overlook the fact that when we, despite whatever the Astros had got caught with, that 2017 World Series, when they went back and forth with the Dodgers and eventually won in seven, was one of the more exciting World Series we got to see. And I think we all said that at the time. So I just think, at you know, right now in this moment, yes, that was a lot of fun. You do like to see the, the underdog come through, uh, but doesn't mean that it should replace or is any better than when you do get two teams that go start to finish. Everybody thinks they're going to be the ones, and then they deliver – in a world series, but this one was certainly up there. Congratulations to the Braves. Once again, let's move into that, that Heyman's inside corner, John, uh, you got some free agents, uh, that could require a pretty, uh, high price tag. Let's, let's start with Sterling Marte, who was traded to Oakland, had a great finish to his season. Where, where do you, what do you got on him? Yeah, I think that, uh, Marte is going to do quite well. And we know the Marlins offered a three-year deal for somewhere in the 36 million range, something like that. I think he might double that. I saw someone predict a hundred million for Marte, but he is 33 years old. If he gets a hundred million dollars, uh, his agent should be agent of the year. I'm going <laughs> to say four years for 70 million. He did fantastically with Oakland. He brought the stolen base back, uh, and uh, it won't be Oakland, obviously. They, they're not spending. But uh, there'll be plenty of teams looking for an excellent center fielder. But at 33, I think we're going to limit this to $70 million. Let's move to the Dodgers because there's a boatload of free agents that they have coming off the roster. But we're going to focus in on two in particular. One was offered a qualifying offer in Chris Taylor. The other is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's Clayton Kershaw was not offered a qualifying offer. Let's start with Chris Taylor. What do you see him going? Where do you see, or not where necessarily going, what do you see him getting? Yeah, I, I think he, he I, I see him turning down. I think the Dodgers, they make right decisions. I think that was the right call to give him the $18.4 million qualifying offer. I think he's going to turn that down. Mm. Um, and I think he'll go get money. four. Yeah, for a, a guy who was a utility player when they acquired him. So that was another great decision to get him. But 
I, I see him in the four for 60 million range. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a little bit, you know, those, those great, great, uh, I don't know, utility sounds pejorative. Uh, great yeah, guys yeah. who can play many positions. Uh, Zobrist uh, got something in the 50-something range. Uh, you know, a couple of years have passed. But I, I'm going to say four for 60 million uh, for Chris Taylor. So I, I think he turns down that qualifying. I only have one guy probably taking that qualifying offer, and uh, I'll get to him later. But uh, uh, Chris Taylor, I'm going to say four for 60. Clayton Kershaw, uh, injured yeah. at the end of the season. Um, they don't offer him qualifying offer, which doesn't necessarily mean he won't return, but what do you see his number being at? Yeah, I, I'm going to say he's a very proud guy and a very, very determined guy. So I, I, I almost think now, I, I predicted uh, on a previous podcast, the Dodgers were most likely with the Rangers than second. I, I think he may end up with the Rangers at this point. Um, you know, maybe they'll work it out for a little bit less than the $18 million, but I think he's a very proud guy, and maybe he'll go home. I mean, you'd think an all-time great like that would stay with the team, but, you know, I do see them focusing on Scherzer, and uh, I'm going to say that he gets that money that, you know, of course, we're not privy to the medicals. We don't know the situation. That's why I couldn't predict whether he'd get the qualifying offer. We, we really don't know what his medical situation is. You know, we know it's four arm slash elbow we don't know much beyond that yeah so i didn't know whether they were going to offer him the qualifying offer and um you know maybe it's not a great sign they didn't get it and but maybe someone else will look at the medicals differently and i'm going to say his hometown team will give him that and make make up for it and give him that deal for one year 18.4 million so he can say look i got it and i'm going to say yeah. he goes to texas that'd be my guess at this point really texas okay that's that's interesting. All right. Well, uh, another guy who whose reign may have may be coming to an end. This one is Noah Syndergaard. He finally made it back. Was able to pitch in. I think it was the last game of the season, or close to the last game of the season. Threw a couple innings. Uh, where do you see his number being at? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Threw a couple innings, and in two years he's got two innings. So uh, you know, mm. uh, only a big market team would give this uh, 18.4 million dollar qualifying offer. Again, we're not privy to the medicals so we don't know but i mean after two years he was only he wasn't throwing breaking balls so right. i'm gonna say this is the one guy who takes that qualifying offer uh last year i i didn't predict that gaussman or stroman would get it the teams were right to give it to him good job by the mets and the giants there they both worked out they both pitched uh very very well uh and maybe Syndergaard will too he's certainly very talented mets didn't want to take a chance uh, to me uh you know he could be you know, Cy Young candidate, or we'll see. You don't never know when you've got a situation like this where it's two years after Tommy John. Maybe, maybe the time is really going to help, and he'll be great. But I say he takes that qualifying offer and takes that eighteen point four million from the Mets. And uh, Rosell Ros Iglesias coming off a, a pretty good year for uh, for, yeah, you know, for, the, for the Angels, and we're, that we're, got him the qualifying offer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I saw Angels people in September, and I asked about it, and. They weren't giving him the qualifying offer at that point, but he was outstanding at the end of the year. So, wow. you know, I put him in that Liam Hendricks category. He may come up a little short of that because he doesn't throw quite as hard as Hendricks. So I'm going to say he turns it down. If he if he takes it, that's a record for relievers. 18.4 would be a record. But I'm going to say that he turns it down and gets uh, three years, 50 million, just a little short of Hendricks. Yeah, okay. That's uh... – that's uh that's pretty good money for for a closer for sure. All right, uh, I think the guy you could argue probably boosted his stock more than anybody in baseball uh, this past season. Marcus Simeon, 
Uh, Sai takes a one-year flyer, bet on yourself deal with Toronto, and boy, oh boy, did he put together a fantastic season. What do you, what do you think his yeah. number going to be like? Uh, I, I th- you know, I, maybe I'm crazy, but uh, you know, I, I think he'll get a big deal. Yeah, I'm looking at, you know, he's 30, so it's going to be shorter than the other shortstops. But you know what? He had a better year than all of them, really. I know. I mean, Correa had a fantastic year, particularly defensively, and Seager finished up strong. And we're going to talk about Seager in a little bit. But uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say Simeon gets five for 150. I don't know. It might be a little high, but. Uh, uh, I'm seeing some some definite interest out there on, uh, on Simeon. And uh, I'm going to say he gets that $30 million a year, which is kind of like a benchmark for a superstar player now. And I'm going to say he gets five years instead of the seven-plus that we're going to see these other guys get. Yeah, I, I, I see the same thing. I think he gets a big number. He got hot or had the best season that he possibly could going into his free agent year. All right, uh, the last guy we're going to cover uh, – and we've seen guys be able to capitalize this. Eddie Rosario uh, was hurt a lot of the year. Didn't come back toward, toward, for Atlanta, at least towards towards the end there, and had one of the best postseason runs in recent history. Um, let's talk about him because it reminds me of Jeff Supon. The year the Cardinals yes. won the World Series, he had an unbelievable <laughs> uh, playoff run, and then he gets the big deal with Milwaukee that following offseason. Where do you see Eddie Rosario's number coming yeah, in? Yeah, you know what? He loves the spotlight. It was true in Minnesota. I mean, to me, there are guys who are clutch. You know, you could say Kike and uh, Peterson. I think Rosario is in that category. So yeah. uh, I think he's going to get – he signed a one-year, I think, around $9 million with Cleveland. I think he's going to get a four-year deal for $56 million. That'd be my guess. We shall see. That's quite a, quite a raise from where he was uh, – last winter but uh i think he can do it clutch player big personality had the big postseason and i'm seeing a uh, a four-year deal for rosario and I, i'm going to throw more one more in there i know you said okay. it was the last one but it's on my mind and we talked about two dodgers now the biggest well i don't know if it's the biggest one we talked about scherzer last week that's a big one too but seager you know they oh, have yeah. trey turner so you know i think uh, perhaps he'll leave. I think the Dodgers love him, so they're going to give it a shot. And I know I predicted 300 last week for Correa. And, you know, my poll, which I did with uh, a month or two to go in the season, had a slight narrow win for in that competition on Correa over Seager. And, and those were the two guys uh, among all the shortstops who people are saying either are going to go one, two. Uh, I think Seager is going to get the most. I do. I, yeah. I just think that offensively, uh, I think he's, you know, unmatched. I mean, I guess you could say Tatis uh, would be ahead of him, but, you know, it's not the same category. This is a free agent now. And, of course, you know, after Lindor, Lindor wanted to beat Tatis's 340 and did a 341, you know, he probably wants to get 342. I don't know. At this point, uh you know, I think people are looking at Lindor as a special case. The timing was great to go to the big market team. They wanted to make a splash. I'm going to say he comes up a little short of that, but uh, I'm going to say that he even beats Correa and say, I'm going to keep get him at 10 years, $320 million. I see a lot of teams out there looking at shortstop, not just the ones uh, who are losing shortstops, but there's a pretty good group of teams that just feel like the and big market teams, like the Yankees, the Phillies, that are going to go for a shortstop. And this is a guy who can hit 
well enough, even though he's probably just average defensively, he can hit well enough that if you want to move him in three, four years, he'd still be a great hitting third baseman. So I'm yeah. going to say 10 for 320 for uh, for Mr. Seager. Listen, I think, uh, you know, talking to folks that, that I know in L.A., the read at least early on, and I don't want to say this ever came from Corey himself, but the read on him early in the season was he didn't really know that he wanted to return. But certainly by the end of the season, it certainly seemed like he he did want to return. I, I know he made a couple of public comments about it himself. So um, we'll see how that lands. I agree. I think he he might he'll be the one that gets the most money. I think despite Carlos Correa's brilliance this year, um, I, I think teams will have a hard time forgetting about the the injury plague seasons that he had in terms of highest dollar most years. We'll see. Uh, but certainly he's, he's, wor- he's worthy He's worthy of being that number one shortstop um, when it when the time comes. All right. Yeah, I think uh, Correa is the best defensively of all the no shortstops. Doubt. I mean, no Simmons doubt. is obviously fantastic, but he doesn't hit like these guys. I think he's the best defensively, even over Lindor, and a fantastic all-around player, and certainly loves the spotlight. He's been very good in the clutch, but – Seager is one of those guys, just one of the best hitters in baseball and against the best pitching. Let's not forget, he won an LCS MVP, won a World Series MVP, and uh, boy, he's hit a lot of home runs in the postseason. Not all of them against the Braves, it seems like that, but a lot of them against the Braves. Um, You know, I I just think he's going to, in the end, uh, he probably will nip Correa. They're both going to get huge money, though. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, uh, before we get out of here, I got to ask you. I know you have a vote, John, and this is the last year um, for Barry Bonds to be on the ballot, and, I, and it comes to my mind because I know they got that E sixty uh, uh, special coming out about it. Uh, I think today or tomorrow, but either way, um, I want to know what, what's your thought on this. And I don't know if you're allowed to to reveal your vote on this, but. I would love to get your your, your thought on it. Thoughts on this? I am allowed. Not only am I allowed. I think I think we all who vote should reveal their votes. Now, some people don't. The guy who didn't vote for Jeter or the three people who didn't vote for Griffey, they never revealed who they were. And I understand that because they're morons and they didn't want they didn't want it out loud that they're so stupid. So I get that, but I don't think I'm in that category. Some people don't like my ballot and they think it's foolish or whatever. But I, it's not that idiotic where I wouldn't vote for a Jeter or a Griffey. Obviously, with Bonds, I, I get it both ways. I understand. Yeah. I generally do not vote for the steroid guys. He clearly is a steroid guy. I mean, I don't think there's any question that he did steroids. The reason that I do, I make an exception, and I have voted for him for the last several years. I did not vote for him initially because I am anti-steroid, and I figure these guys made extra money. They got extra accolades, especially in Bonds' case. but in, Clemens and others, and why honor them further? And uh, so I generally do not vote for guys who cheated. I understand there's some bad people who are in the Hall of Fame, but if you cheat and your performance is enhanced, that's different than being a nasty individual. That's not great either. But uh, I generally don't vote for him. But the reason I vote for Bonds is I do believe that narrative that he did not do steroids. quite a long time and then once he saw the bonds and sosa uh were doing it and they were passing them as great players and he said i'm the best i'm gonna have to do this to keep up i mean maybe i shouldn't make an exception but to me even in, through 98 to me bonds was a hall of famer through his first decade or so in baseball yep and so that's why i make the exception 
and vote for him, but really no other no other steroid guys because uh, I you know and I get it if you want to if you want to just go on the stats because we don't know what other people did and all that I, I think I have a pretty good idea who did and who didn't do so I feel pretty confident about that so I I generally do not vote for the steroid guys but I I do vote for Barry Bonds well I mean you played in that era with him, you know, and with all these guys who were steroid guys, you obviously were not a steroid guy, but right, what, right. what do you, what do you think about the whole, the whole controversy? I think at the time I came into the league, we were on the back end of it, right? Because mm-hmm. so many, um, at that point there started to be more tension paid to it, but there was a whole era before that where having been around it, there was far, 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 a lot of, there was a lot of guys on it. And so I come down on that kind of where you are. He, he was an Hall of Famer, really the first 10 years he was in the league. And I think most people who believe uh, he, he, he was involved with steroids would say that it started at a specific time. And that specific time was after he had already established how good he was of being dominant through that point. And I, I, I agree. I think uh, that's exactly what, led to him uh, possibly using it because he thought the other guys were using it. So ultimately, uh, he's a Hall of Famer in my mind. I don't think uh, there was a better hitter in that era uh, than Barry Bonds. I I got to see it. I got to share field with him. I got to see it as a fan. Uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, there are a bunch of, of of guys in the hall of fame that you know aren't morally clean when it comes to to, to any of this so um i, I think he should be uh, i i hope he gets in it i think it's i think it's going to be tough for that vote count to get up where he needs yeah. it to be but um i certainly hope he gets in yeah i mean i don't think he's going to make it via the writers was around 60 percent last year you know a lot of guys rise from 60 to 75 but this is you know it's all based on whether you count the steroids against him and that's it. And yeah, you know, most yeah. people aren't going to change their mind on that. I did at one point and I hadn't voted for him at the beginning and I, I did, but I, I just don't see in year 10, they're going to be a lot, you know, another 15% of guys doing that. I will just say that, you know, before he did any steroids at all, I'm sure I'm quite sure he won three MVP MVPs, awards yes, and was yeah. second and fourth yeah. uh, in two other years. And fifth in another year, so it was top five six times uh, before we got into the bonds, before we got into the Sosa, excuse me, Sosa McGuire chase. And I think that's, you know, at that point, I don't think he was doing it because he got passed like he was standing still by those two right. guys in '98, <laughs> right. and then he passed them because once yeah. he's doing it, he's much more talented than anybody. I mean, he was incredible. If you if you're old enough to have seen his career. I mean, incredible, incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's uh, amazing. He went, but you know what? Even before, back in the 90s, early 90s, he led the league in OPS plus four straight years. The last two times, over 200. Uh, his first year in San Francisco at a 206 uh, OPS plus. 206. You know, he was double your your average player. I mean, eventually he got into, into the 250 range on the, you know, it was inhuman how good he got. But even just throw those other years out where he was ridiculous, where they were walking him 150 times and he was hitting 73 home runs. Just take the first decade or more where I believe he was clean. And you can see a line of demarcation where he's 
a great player, and then he turns into a, a superhero. Ruth plus, you know, <laughs> I, I think right. we can be pretty clear that something changed, and that's what it was. So I'm glad we agree. Yeah. That's why we have this podcast together. We almost always agree. <laughs> the one time we didn't, you were right. You had Astros, I had A's. You were right. The Astros did better than the A's. Other than that, we seem to agree on everything, which is good. It it doesn't it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. All right, that, that's gonna do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. Make sure you check back every Monday for new episodes. Myself, Cody Decker, John Heyman, uh, will be available to you. Every episode is on the Odyssey app, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Make sure you tune in and listen all the time. We'll keep the baseball conversation rolling. Until next time, I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. He's John Heyman. Have a good day.